Well, it kind of goes without saying that the sea can be a very unpredictable place. The open ocean can be a very unpredictable place and a dangerous one because of that. That is why one Victoria company is trying to learn more about so-called rogue waves with 26 sensor buoys set up on coastlines and oceans around North America. The Marine Lab's Coastware Network gathers data they need to try to understand the phenomenon. And it was one of those 26 that captured something truly remarkable off the coast of Vancouver Island in 2020, something that is being called a once in a millennium event. Joining me now to explain is Scott Murphy, CEO of Marine Labs in Victoria. Thanks so much for being here tonight, Scott. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. My name's Scott Beatty, B-E-A-T-T-Y. Oh, Scott Beatty. Sorry about that. I, my mistake. I must have written that down wrong That's as I was problem. switching it around. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Scott Beatty's here to explain uh, this phenomenon. So what exactly is a rogue wave? So a rogue wave is a really large wave that basically comes out of nowhere. Um, when, you know, when we're riding on a boat in waves, if we're out surfing or whatever we are doing on the ocean, if the wave that comes up is over two times the waves that are around it, that's classified as a rogue wave. And these can happen in uh, all different kinds of uh, places, but, uh, but yeah, it's quite exciting. So what causes them? Or do we know? It's uh, actually still a subject for scientific debate. Uh, there is um, kind of, we can kind of like the way we monitor earthquakes, we can know what roughly causes them, but we don't know how to predict them perfectly. Pretty similar to that, but there are some things that are correlated with them. Um, but yes, yeah, generally it's highly energetic seas, you know, big storms, that kind of thing. They're more likely to occur. And then it's usually related to how uh, many storms are contributing to the same um, system, the weather system. So, you know, in, in the Pacific, you might have a storm coming from the North Pacific, then maybe something from the West. And if those things are combining together, sometimes that uh, uh, increases the probability of rogue waves, but it is still really an active study. So really you could have two six foot waves and then a 12 foot wave or a 13 foot wave right in the middle of it. Yeah, that's right. So that must, I mean, obviously the dangers for any marine vessel out there are pretty obvious if you're about to, if, if all of a sudden you have this unpredictable wave come at you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and these can happen in sort of moderate seas for big ships. So, you know, ships are used to handling, um, you know, heavy weather. Uh, the Zim Kingston was an, an example of that. Um, it was loitering offshore and there was 10 meter seas out there. And so there could have easily been a rogue wave. We don't really know what caused that, or I hadn't heard. But um, I, we have, you know, contacts, mariners who talk about rogue wave events that basically are not measured, but they experience them and uh, often uh, folklore. Um, but now that we're starting to measure coastlines a lot more and get more data on this, it's, uh, it's exciting to start mapping them more. So to the headline uh, that came out this week, tell me a bit about what happened off the coast of Ukulele here in Vancouver Island back in 2020. Yeah, so we had a research buoy, uh, one of our units out there, about seven kilometers offshore of Euclid, and uh, we had it there for the winter, and there was some big storms during the winter, as there always is, and um, this time there was a six-meter seas, which isn't on the, you know, the largest size um, that you would, uh, you would see up there. Sometimes you might see 12-meter, uh, but in that six meter uh, background wave environment, we saw, we measured a 17.6 meter wave that came out of nowhere. Um, and our system, our little buoy transmitted that ashore and we were all just 
uh, blown away by it um, as a team at Marine Labs and had to sort of double check uh, what was going on with the data just to be sure. And so then we ended up checking with Dr. Johannes Gemrich at University of Victoria, and he's been great to work with. And he ended up taking a, a deep dive into that data. That's, I mean, 17.6, that, that's that's like a quite a tall, I mean, a, a decent size residential building. Yeah, four stories um, and really uh, could be quite damaging if you're in a boat. I, you wouldn't want to be there, that's for sure, um, in a ship um, or any kind of craft. And the, the seas were quite nasty. Um, Amphitrite Bank, where our buoy was located, is, is known as a really nasty location during storms. And so, um, so that's, you know, something to consider as well that mariners were probably staying away from that spot, but rogue waves do, um, happen closer to shore and sometimes cause damage, loss of life. Um, they can run up on beaches and pull people off beaches. Um, so they can be quite dangerous. And so there is a, a lot of work, um, sort of globally around trying to predict when they might happen more likely. And then can we, um, have policies around, um, people walking on the beach, the use of coastlines, um, that kind of thing. I'm speaking with Scott Beatty, the CEO of Marine Labs. We're talking about a rogue wave that was measured by one of their uh, boys off the coast of Vancouver Island, off the coast of Euclid back in 2020, that I gather was the most extreme just because of, of how much bigger it was than the other things around it, that researchers found it was one of the most, ex- or the most extreme ever, or at least the ones they've measured. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, it's a fairly sensational headline, but it kind of deserves it. Uh, so we can kind of go back to years and years ago, the first rogue wave measured was called the Draupner wave. And that was in the North Sea, um, where a platform measured a 26 meter wave. So a larger wave, but the background seas were in that 12 to 13 meter range. So it was about double the size of the background waves. But with the wave that we measured, it was 2.9 times. Um, so that ratio makes it the most extreme because it's, uh, you know, basically the largest relative to the background wave environment. So uh, the most surprising. And so it's basically off the charts on those ratios that uh, in, in the paper that Dr. Gemrick published, uh, there is a really interesting chart that plots all the different rogue waves that have happened. And there are other studies like that. And you can see the 2.9, it's just way off the charts. And so that's what's caused this to be a, a very exciting um, event to have measured. I guess trying to figure out, trying to predict these a little better. I mean, it would be similar to what we look at for, I mean, I imagine for other natural phenomenon, such as tsunamis and earthquakes and such, but there must be some com- real complexities here in trying to figure out what causes these and, and when one may come along. And, and you've actually started to expand your, or are about to expand your surveillance, I understand, to try to get a better idea, or at least a broader idea of the phenomenon. Yeah. So um, at Marine Labs, we provide real-time coastal intelligence for ports and maritime operators, but then we also use our data for coastal engineering and for climate resilience studies. So we don't just do rogue waves, uh, but we really want to expand our network into the hundreds and thousands of units um, around the world. And so we're, you know, that's, that's our game. But at the same time, uh, we're able to pick up all this data that'll allow us to do rogue wave analysis in the future. And I'm back to Dr. Gemrick's work where he's been studying what are the things that are really correlated with rogue wave events happening and has uh, asserted a really interesting uh, theory proposal in that paper that was published in scientific reports 
that um, allows us um, as a society to potentially predict you know, or know when they might be more likely. So then you could basically have kind of like an avalanche warning system. You could have a rogue wave warning system, for example. So there's uh, there's a, yeah, it's a pretty exciting area of research. And we think that we could provide a lot of data to, the, to, um, to that kind of an effort. I'm speaking with Scott Beatty, CEO of Marine Labs. Uh, one of the things I find fascinating is just how technology is allowing us to understand oceans better. Uh, and you certainly, you mentioned climate change and resilience and so forth. Uh, and that's really what you're up to. How much have we progressed of late and, and where are we going? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, there is a huge movement in um, measuring the ocean and finding uh, ways of doing that within uh profitable business models and with a, within growth of economy um, and those kinds of things. So it's this termed blue economy. Um, there's a lot of companies growing uh, both East Coast and West Coast of Canada, um, and then also in the US and globally. And uh, we're noticing uh, basically ocean data is becoming a market unto itself. And because the ocean is so vast and 90% of our goods are shipped over the ocean, uh, we also need to be shipping more efficiently uh, so there's all kinds of economic activity that can benefit from having data. Like consider in the 80s when you didn't have Google Maps and you were going to do a 10-hour road trip. Uh, remember what that was like. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what maritime is like. It's getting better, but now we're going to give them Google Maps. We're going to give them these opportunity to make data-driven decisions. And so there's a lot of different ways of doing that. And uh, we're, we're really excited about the route that we've gone with that. It is astounding how much we don't know about the sea, obviously, still uh, these days. So in the near term, where are you looking at setting up and what might we learn um, in, in the next few years from, 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 your, from your system, from your surveillance system? Sure. So uh, we, uh, I mean, we don't really call it a surveillance system. Oh, sorry. It's a yeah. network system. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, so one thing that's really interesting to us is because we've built this technology, uh, we can deploy it onto anything that floats. So we have algorithms that allow us to measure accurately from everything. And so we could be deploying these on Canada's aids to navigation. You know, those little uh, or big green and red buoys that help you navigate boats. We could instrument all of those and make them real-time data sites. So that's something that's really exciting to us. The U.S. has 60,000 of those. Globally, there's another 10 times that. So that could be a first start in getting real-time data from coastlines um, in, a, in a much more high resolution, much more accurate way and more frequent um, that could be that Google Maps that I was talking about, essentially. Um, and what might we learn? Well, we will be picking up definitely with a network growth like that. We'll be picking up a lot more rogue waves and be able to track, you know, what were the conditions at the time and really drive down into what were the drive, you know, what was what was creating these things or what is uh, a way of um, uh, providing a warning system but also making marine safety, uh, you know, improving marine safety, providing this data for ships so they can make decisions uh, about whether they want to go or not go um, in certain weather. Um, and also collecting all that data and using it for different um, monitoring exercises for sea level rise. So we have a lot of coastlines that are that have low level, uh, low lying areas and with sea level rise and weather volatility increasing, we actually see more flooding on coastlines and that's going to impact things like seawalls, you know, beaches, 
um, you know, buildings and all kinds of things on the coastlines, including ports and marinas and those kinds of things. And so we think that data is really the way to get at those statistics to then adapt to this changing climate. So this is really about um, adaptation, about understanding what's about to impact these coastlines. So that's another area that's exciting for us as well. We think that we can make a really um, big contribution there. The Coastware Network, to give it its precise name. Um, Scott Beatty, CEO of Marine Labs, thanks so much for sharing the information about the once in a millennium rogue wave and about all the other interesting work you're doing tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.